Hello and welcome to Jam Presents, a podcast series by me, Mike Groves, and a good mate of mine, Jason Cripps. In this second series of Jam Presents, we played The Murder Game, a 2003 murder mystery reality TV show from the BBC. In this bonus episode of Jam Presents The Murder Game, we talk about the contestants, actors, and Chief Bob, and have a catch-up with our favourite investigator, Mel. The Murder Game, episode 10, the bonus episode. Unlike our bonus episode for Murder in Small Town X, we've put this off for quite a while and we weren't that excited to be delving into behind the scenes of the murder game. Although we have had quite a bit of fun reading up on the escapades of Chief Bob and we also managed to catch up with, well, our favourite contestant from the series, Mel. We also had a good chat recently with the creators of the murder game, although a large part of that will be for another special that we have on Murder in Small Town X. And we should also point out that they are purely credited for the murder game. They didn't produce it, they didn't write it, they didn't edit, direct or anything like that. They are merely there as the creators of the show in the same way that Jim Henson created the Muppets, but anything Muppets related now is not made by Jim Henson. So I think for a lot of the complaints and stuff that we had, and we always questioned what went wrong with the murder game off the back of Murder in Small Town X, I think we can honestly answer that by saying what went wrong, it landed in the wrong hands. I think if the creators of Murder in Small Town X had their hands on this, from a writing, directing, producing point of view, it would have been a significantly better series. Yeah, or there would have been differences for sure. But you don't know how much, I mean, this was the BBC as well. And historically, we know that American television's edited a lot differently to yeah, English television. Very uh, true. The, you know, the suspense is formatted differently. Yeah, we did give the murder game quite a bit of stick throughout our podcast series, especially off the back of Murder in Small Town X. And I think Murder in Small Town X feels like a hidden gem lost in time compared to the murder game that really hasn't aged that well, despite dozens of people reminiscing about it on Twitter. And I think a lot of that is just down to nostalgia and it blurs people's memories somewhat, doesn't it? When you think yeah, of something definitely. you really enjoyed. And, and also the fact that, um, we, we even said about it, Murder Sport on X, is the fact that it's so ahead of its time. And even for the murder game to have a show like that mm. is something completely different that we haven't seen since, really, I don't think. No, there are obviously one or two which take a similar concept where you've got who done it and things like that but having it integrated with a storyline with actors but i mean but also set in england for english television oh no, nothing nothing like it no i mean this is sort Even of things like armchair detectives you're watching it you're not immersed because did we did we find out what time this was shown it was pushed back later and later wasn't it i'm sure it wasn't wasn't it like started at like nine o'clock i don't know one? whether or not yeah i don't know whether or not that was because of a uh football clash or something like that in that yeah at least on one occasion it was put back until 10 or 11 o'clock at night but that could have just been because england went to penalties <laughs> yeah so i'm not i'm not sure what I can be certain of is that no one can hand on heart say that the murder game still stands up in 2021. Even those that have watched it along with us. Understandably, there are parts of it which were good and there are parts of it which built on what Murder in Small Town X had to offer. But as a whole show, it's not one I ever want to revisit. No, and also some of, the, some of the dialogue and some of the... It shows its age and some of the, the conversations they have. Mm. And the split. Yeah, I think we mentioned at the time the sort of male-female split. Yeah, and I think you can tell probably by our the way in which we're conducting ourselves and the way in which we're not that enthusiastic about it because, you know what, we've we've now, at point of recording, we've now completed Who Done It. So we've gone back to an American murder mystery show, albeit only eight years old. You know, it's a lot more modern, but I think we've just got to a point where the murder game, it was good to watch, it was good to talk about, but is it a good show overall? And I think the answer is quite clearly no. And, you, and that's probably why it wasn't continued. Yeah. 
I think we covered off mainly us being a bit negative and a bit boring towards it. Yeah. Shall we find some positives? <laughs> well, what I want to do is talk about the location, talk about Chief Bob, the training episode, contestants, the red button, the actors, and whether or not we think Andrew deserved to win. So in that order, we're going to start with the location. Unlike Murder in Small Town X, and you can probably count up the number of times, or you probably can't count stop. up the number of times we're Everyone's going to mention. Everyone's just saying, stop mentioning it. Stop <laughs> mentioning that fucking American show that no one's watched because it wasn't broadcast in England. But it was still way better. And if you do want to go and watch it, then listen to Jam Present Season 1 because it's way better than this one. It's all on YouTube. And every episode is on YouTube, yeah. In better quality. <laughs> yeah. So, we didn't get the same buzz, so we didn't have the, you know, I'm already planning my trip to Eastport in Maine. I've already looked at flights and stuff. Yeah, we'll wait for this COVID thing to pass, but we will eventually find ourselves in Eastport. Murder Game didn't quite have the same buzz, and I think it's probably because we're used to seeing similar locations on our travels around the UK. There was nothing that stood out, and yeah, but I, I guess the lack of an abandoned sardine cannery and a fisherman statue. Yeah, or a fisherman statue, yeah. There was nothing to tie that place together, except the probably overused location of the mansion. <laughs> the Wilmington mansion that caught fire but was instantly restored the following week. It's not like we're going to rush over to get a photo of Jay Wilmington's boat anytime soon, is it? If anyone is, however, interested, Blackwater got its name from the river that flows into Essex on the eastern side of England. Filming took place in a place called Malden, which is just north of Southend-on-Sea. Oh, and we also should mention the on-location filming of the CCTV Centre in Leeds, which was the most pointless part of the training episode ever. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> they went up to Leeds for the CCTV. So they travelled all that way? Just to do that. Well, I think the training itself all took place in York, perhaps, and that Leeds yeah. isn't that far then from York or whatever. But you're right. They did take part of their day out to go and look at some... They didn't even use that as a thread on the show. They didn't use CCTV. No. Or the... Um... Didn't they have some shooting practice on some oh, sort yeah. of old-style yeah. <laughs> With... me Mega Drive Leaf Leaf Enforcers? Yeah. <laughs> Lethal Enforcers. So yeah, we move on to Chief Bob. Uh, Chief Bob's a tricky one. We didn't like him too much. I didn't like his attitude. Yeah, exactly. Like his attitude. Exactly. Yeah. And he did try and make it the Chief Bob show. His segment was definitely yeah. the Chief Bob show. Yeah, definitely. Having spoken to Mel, which we'll get onto in a bit, we learned that Chief Bob was purely scripted and the contestants had no relationship with Bob outside of those times that we saw him on screen. He came in, he delivered his lines, and that's why on occasion we saw him say things Meryl or someone else would pipe up and give the answer. But then because Bob doesn't have anything He's to go on script. Off, <laughs> he just carries on following the script. It does make me wonder why they bothered having Chief Bob at all. Because unlike Gary Fredo, Gary Fredo was an actor, but also a police chief. He was a facilitator, yeah, but he, he acted like a, a facilitator. He spent hours with them. He spent hours with the investigators until they got to a particular point in the story that the producers wanted them to get to. Bob never did that. But this again, this might come down to budget. You don't know, do you? I guess, but like, and maybe it's, oh, we're going to have the person that caught the Yorkshire Ripper on the screen, but I'd have sooner had, if it's just a scripted role, get an actor in. Get someone like Philip Glenister to do a Gene Hunt style. All right, that wasn't out at that point, but you get, you know what I'm saying. I'd rather yeah. have Tosh from The Bill or someone just, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Is Tosh the one with the bearded one? What's the weird bearded one? Mustache. Tosh has got, he's got a tash. 
What's what's the what's the one? What's his name? The one Reg Hollis who went off. Yes. He, he was clean shaven in the show, but now he looks like a homeless person with yeah. the biggest beard ever. To bring him in. He's in a um, Mike Snow video as well. Um, yeah, if you want to see him now, I can't remember what it's called, but um, this is very niche chat now. The yeah, bill it is for anyone who remembers Reg Hollis from the Bill. Search Reg Hollis the Bill. I don't know, twenty ten maybe or something like that, because he might be clean shaven again by now, but. Coming soon, Chan presents The Bill every episode. <laughs> How many episodes of The Bill were there? 800? More? <laughs> I think as a, as a child, you think there's more than that in there. There can't be as many episodes of The Bill as there are Simpsons, can there? So there can't be 800. I reckon there's only like 200, if that. Shut the front door. How many? 2,404 what? episodes. It's been going, or it was going 1984 to 2010. 2000? That's 10 times what I thought. <laughs> Three times The Simpsons. What the fuck? Yeah, it doesn't take much for coppers to walk down a road and show their ankles, does it? <laughs> yeah, if anyone doesn't know what the bill is, just search the bill theme tune and you'll see the opening credits with the feet. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. My gosh, this has took a turn, hasn't it? Right, so, anyway, that was a massive segue. <laughs> Let's get back on track. They could have got a, a, an actor and just told, it, told us he was a detective or something. And he could have brought something a lot more fresher to that role. Mm. There was a big thing about having like an ex-detective, you know? But if it's all scripted, then he's not bringing anything to the table. Yeah, exactly that. He didn't bring any of his... And not only that, he was quoted saying... Never in my 30 years have I seen a trail being used as a murder weapon. And yet, one of our listeners has actually tweeted us saying, 2010, there was a... Uh, 10 years later, this was a... Newspaper article. Maybe someone actually was inspired. Yeah, maybe they were just inspired. inspired a copycat by... killer. Yeah. I think, as soon, I think as soon as we heard that, we knew it was bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> you can kill anyone with anything if I tried hard enough. That's my special skill. <laughs> 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 like name something i can kill you with it yeah i mean the obvious thing is a spoon but there's multiple ways of killing someone with a spoon right you could, i'm pretty sure you could kill anyone with anything so saying like he's never seen the trowel like you say that doesn't mean there wasn't there's not going to be a serial killer that only kills people with trowels true and also he's not familiar with every like hundreds of investigations he's been in charge involved in but what's his success rate well i i think if you asked him he'd say 110 <laughs> percent yeah. So all the ones he didn't solve were trial-related instances. Yeah. <laughs> They're all in allotments. All these murders in allotments. Yeah. You just can't solve the ones in allotments. A success rate of 97%, but 3% were trial-related, and he just couldn't <laughs> comprehend that someone used the trial, even though there's blood dripping off the end. And, and the bloke's holding it. It couldn't have been him. <laughs> With a body on the end of it. Just a head, skewered. <laughs> I think it was a gun. Something you, could, you could write a story about a gardener. He's just just using garden equipment for, for killing. <laughs> anyway, again, right, let's get back on track. <laughs> <laughs> so Chief Bob wasn't necessarily a clean cop. Now, I've got to be careful what I say, because in his days of investigative work, he may have been true to the law. He may have been doing the right thing. But there are stories in the paper, and, and Chief Bob's still with us. He's still around. But at one point, he was caught drink driving or caught in his car intoxicated outside a pub. And also, more recently, he was found guilty of intimidating a care home worker as he pretended to be someone from the Care Quality Commission, the CQC, uh, and, and intimidating this, this care home worker, pretending that he's going to get this care home shut down fraud. and all sorts. 
Yeah. Yeah. Never in my time have I ever seen anybody (laughs) commit fraud (laughs) with a trowel. And there is there is a pretty sad picture of Chief Bob online if you search for him. Well, what's he doing? This unhappy face. Yeah, just sad face because he's realised that trial murders are a real thing. <laughs> but move away from trials. This is getting like the bear instant, the unreleased. <laughs> it's bear coming. Instant. It's not heard yet. Yeah, the bear and who done it? Spoiler alert. So I don't think there's much else to say on Chief Bob other than yeah, he was scripted, was a bit obnoxious, and now he's been in trouble with the law himself a couple of times. What a fall from grace! Catching Peter Sutcliffe, one of the most infamous killers in britain and then you get done for drink driving and intimidating a care worker yeah not cool man not cool so now we move on to the training episode the training episode is a really interesting one i personally hated it it brought back far too many memories of corporate training days at work and i think they could have easily brought elements of the training into the show like they did with that bloody surveillance bloke they didn't need to show both did they they didn't need to say okay here's them training for an hour uh, which happened over five days and then later in the show, they get to meet people like the bug expert and things like that. I mean, I wish he was a bug expert and he went in with like creepy crawlies imagine, and yeah, things yeah. like that. Imagine like they booked the wrong sort of expert. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you sure you want a bug? Yeah, we well, want a bug expert. He's like, like you've got a cockroach a problem. <laughs> yeah, he comes in. He's got like tubs full of different insects. Like, oh, I never thought you were going to be like surveillance. <laughs> oh, just blag it, no, blag it. What I did find interesting, again, unreleased, but next week we'll release our video with, with Gordon, George and Bob, the creators of Murder in Small Town X. And they said that they had an, a 90-minute episode planned originally for Murder in Small Town X, but Fox told them to cut it down to an hour. So they cut all the training bits out. But this is, again, this is where it's Fox in the late 90s. I mean, they've got they got money spilling out of them. Mm. Do you mean so cutting all, all that training out? It's not wasted, but it's, you know, what I mean, it's just money gone, isn't it? And it True. might have been, you know, it True. might have been detrimental to having a season two or something like that. But I don't think it would have been. No, and I think they they were just keen to point out that they think people would have been more familiar with what's going on. They they believe that actually by cutting the train and it meant that a lot of people didn't quite understand what was going on. But this is all for the other show anyway. It was just a, a point that the creators of Murder in Small Town X suggested they thought the training would be good. I think it didn't work. But then it, ultimately it comes down to who's editing it, who's putting it together mm-hmm. and how it looks. It just didn't work for me. Good, some funny bits in it though, isn't it? Yeah, were. Um, yeah, they're like, really The standout bit, what I can really remember is when... I, Meryl says that she she helped, but she didn't help. <laughs> well, you had you had Meryl saying that. Yeah, she also said I thought he was a man, <laughs> and it's a, it was a it was a woman. You also yeah. had uh, Andrew non-verbally describing his excitement. <laughs> oh yes, get in there! Six numbers. I've won the lottery. And then also the conflict resolution where they're all battering each other with sticks and stuff. And Andrew's going, "You want to come to a Leeds United match with me? I'll take you. You'll go down with me. We'll all have a pint and we'll all have a good time." There were some really good bits in it. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? But it was in such contrast to what the rest of the show was. It was bizarre. Yeah. All right. On to the contestants, mate. The only contestant we wanted to reach out to was Mel. And in fairness, she was the only person that we did reach out to. And thankfully, returned our call, added us on Facebook. And we had an absolutely brilliant two and a bit hours talking to Mel. I can't believe it was over two hours chat. It was incredible, wasn't it? And every we just didn't stop laughing throughout. It was very rare that we took a serious sort of time to reflect on anything. All our anecdotes were just fantastic. And lucky listeners, you may have already seen it before you listen to this. So uh, who am I to describe what, what's happened if you've already watched it? But it does not disappoint. We've cut it down to about an hour and a half. So yeah, it's on YouTube. So go and watch that next because Mel is just as hilarious. What I should point out, what took me by 
massive surprise. And I don't address it for the first 15 minutes because I'm like, mm, is this actually Mel? <laughs> Mel being the Cockney that she was on the show, the Londoner that she was on the show. Don't know if she's a Cockney or not. Well, she wasn't because she wasn't actually born in London or within the sound of the bow bells or whatever it is that you have to that make you a Cockney. But she had that very strong London accent. And now she's a Yorkshire girl. And it blew my mind. I honestly thought for the first 10 minutes, is this definitely her? <laughs> we just got an imposter. But to be fair, when she started to recount the stories, you could certainly tell it definitely was. Yeah, definitely. She's still just as foul-mouthed and brilliant as she was on the show. Yeah. It's fantastic. And I, I'm not going to go into the conversations that we, uh, that, that we had. Just go and watch the video because she is absolutely brilliant. Other contestants that we, we sort of looked up, didn't reach out to because I, I made a vow when they're all nasty to Mel. I said I'm not reaching out to any of the other contestants, but Sharrox, he travels a lot now. Sharrox. <laughs> yeah. Travels a lot now, shares his photographs on you're Instagram. Not, you're not going to grace him with the first name. Dick. Um, <laughs> Rory. I, I connected to Rory on LinkedIn. It helps that I've got a railway background, and so does Rory. He's still working on the railway. And Merrill as well, worth pointing out Merrill. I, I found an obituary just a few years after, I think maybe 2008 or something like that. But it was a Merrill Holt who lived in a in a village in Gloucestershire. And there can't be that many Merrill Holts living in Gloucestershire mm. of around the same sort of age who died. In, yeah, 2008. So that is that is really sad. Because I, I would have loved to have spoken to Merrill, to be fair, because she was a really kind and caring person. And actually, I think she probably, out of all of the contestants, deserved to win more than anybody else. Next, we'll move on to the red button. So the red button was a clever feature that gave viewers an additional look into the world of the murder game. For those not familiar, the red button is a feature that viewers watching through digital TV or satellite could hit the red button on their remote, known as interactive, which would give them additional clips of the show. It's still useful now if you're watching snooker or tennis and you don't want to watch the main game on the on BBC Two, you want to change the channel without changing the channel, you can press red and it will give you all the different snooker tables or the, the tennis courts that you can watch. Camera angles or commentary with. or anything. Yeah. But that was a big thing back in the day. So it's a shame we couldn't have watched it with that. And we haven't managed to find any red button footage. Anyway, I think it's on the red button. So for those like confused, when Mel, Mel recounts a story that's a bit more risque and you think it wouldn't probably make it to BBC One. And it's about, she, she, she says something to Rory um, when Rory plays the killer's game. And she says, come back and I'll let you have a lick of my, and I won't go into it. You can watch it on the on the video and let the words come out of Mel's mouth. Uh, it's, a, it's about a particular piercing that her mum wasn't happy about her sharing. But anyway, I think that must have been red button footage because yeah. I didn't find it when I went back to, to look at the episodes. That didn't make the uh, primetime show. That no. was additional footage. <laughs> How that didn't make it, no idea. It would have made the show infinitely better if it was just clips of Mel being like that throughout. So, okay, next we'll move on to the actors. Now, we know that the chap who played Jay Wilmington, Luke DeLacy, was in some stuff prior to the murder game because from our conversation with Mel, she told us that she was basically stalking him and in love with him because she'd seen him on things prior to being on the show. A few of the other actors had been in some very typically British shows like The Bill and Deal and Pasco, Lewis, Doctor Who and things like that. Don't start with The Bill talk again. So if, for those of you who don't know what the bill is, just go and search that. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like deja vu. We should mention Graham Bryan, who played Dean Garrity, because he appeared in what, well, one of our favourite, or certainly, certainly the earlier seasons of, of Jonathan Creek um, were, were our, some of our favourite TV. But he's in Time Waits for Norman. So in the episode, 
a chap goes into a wimpy burger. He's meant to be on the other side of the world in America. And Dean Garrity, or the person that played Dean Garrity, finds his wallet in this wimpy burger and returns it. He finds the address in his wallet and takes it back to Norman's wife. Again, Jonathan Creek, fantastic show. Yeah. Oh, incredible. Until it got to the later series and it just went dog shit. George Howick, mate. George Howick and... I recognised him and I kept thinking, oh, he's just like the guy from Green Green Grass, the spin-off of Only Fools and Horses. He's a bit like Llewellyn, but he's not got that thick Welsh accent that he's got in Green Green Grass. Forgetting that he's a sodding actor. <laughs> it, it is him. Is it? <laughs> yeah. So the farmer that lives next to Boise in Green Green Grass is uh, is the chap that played George Howick. Fantastic actor. Been in a lot more than just Green Green Grass, to be fair. He's been acting for decades. That's just something that I remembered him from. It stood out to me. Every time he spoke as George Howick, I was expecting him to speak like Llewellyn, but never did. So I thought, it's not the same person. Most impressive from what I've seen, uh, and anyone wants to look at her sort of resume or or her IMDB page, uh, Rita Davis, the person that plays baby killer Felicity Wilmington, she was in The Da Vinci Code, Monty Python in the Holy Grail, Alan Partridge, Beauty and the Beast, Sherlock, the Inbetweeners. She's got so many massive, massive, either British TV, British films, even a few American, like Disney. I think Beauty and the Beast, she's in the remake. She's in a lot of stuff. Do you know the best thing about it? And I was going to play a little game with you and I was going to say, in fact, let's do it. Let's play the game. You got a jingle. What role did she play? What role did she play? That's the jingle. I'm not cutting one in. You can just deal with that, I'm afraid. Future Mike here. I am going to cut a jingle in. Rita Davis played Felicity Wilmington. I'll give you a few clues. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. She played historian's wife. Okay. Okay. In the Da Vinci Code, she played elegant something. I can't actually see because it's dot, 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 and you click on it and you have to go right through. Okay. In a lot of her roles, in Alan Partridge, for example, and Private Peaceful. Yeah. And Acts of Godfrey and Sherlock and reuniting the Rubens. She plays the same person. She plays very similar named character. Is it old woman? It's old lady. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> close. I'm, I'm, I'll take the points for that. She plays old lady one, blind lady, saga lady. Oh, she really she, stepped it up for blind lady. She plays old lady. She plays old lady on bus. <laughs> it's amazing. So although she's been in all these great things and look, fair play. In, in The Broken, she's old lady something. Cafe customer, old lady in bar. I mean, that. My, oh. Been typecast. Her actor's been typecast. McCorber's taking the piss, though. Come on. Old hag. <laughs> <laughs> Nature boy, old lady. Honestly. Another part of the cast was the narrator. Tell me everything you know about the narrator. I don't know nothing. So his name is Rupert Smith. Yeah, I should know that, shouldn't I? I think you've said this before. I think I might have mentioned it before. He's been credited on three shows. Nelson's Column and Trial and Error, both aired in 1994, and The Murder Game in 2003. Hmm. Right. 
who is he and why did he only appear three times in nine years and that yeah, is it surely, because surely that's your profession to be like some sort of voiceover or if you if you're a voiceover artist in 1994 and it doesn't work out you don't make a comeback nine years later that's yeah so what are you doing for nine years rupert smith the narrator is not to be confused with the voice actor rupert smith who actually sounds like a young bill nye and is actually too young to have been the narrator for this show and also not the general in the army who has his own wikipedia page obviously i think we we agree that we didn't like the narration at all i had nothing wrong with his voice it's just the show did not need narration Uh, yeah i'm not i'm not dissing his voice the the sound quality of his voice was better than our podcast that we've just finished oh 100 yeah (laughs) but i don't like the part the whole part of the mystery is for the viewer to be part of the investigation team and when he's going in saying oh just watch out if uh if Mel can spot this hidden clue and then they zoom in on the clue or something, it's just like, it just didn't need a narration, did it? It just no. didn't need one. It's just too hand-holding. Didn't need it. Not at all. Another thing, I don't know if we mentioned that, obviously, I think Mel might have said about it, was um, that Chief Bob pushed them down a line of inquiry so much. It's never organic. It wasn't that, never them deciding to go and talk to them about No, this. no. It was always, like, this is what you're going to do. And also she mentioned that the actors also only... They were very one-dimensional. They knew what they knew, and they weren't given these great backstories. Whereas in Murder and Oh, he said it! He said it! He said it! Oh, next bollocks! She'd get fine. She'll have fine tin. I'd be broke, mate. It. I would be broke in in real life. You can fly over that with the amount of times you said. I honestly, I'll walk to McDonald's and they'll say, "I oh, can I help you, sir." I'm like, "Yeah, I would prefer Taco Bell because of." It featuring in Murder and Small Tanks, but I'll get a Big Mac, please. Have you seen this show uh, from the year 2000? <laughs> yeah. Do it to everyone. Yeah. Well, finally, like, I, we knew it was going to be a short one because um, we're just not that interested in it. But... Um... It's one of those, you know, like, you know, when you, you look back on a show, like, you, like I think, like you say, I'm looking back two months ago and I just haven't really got anything good to say about it. Like, it doesn't get better in my head. Do you know what I mean? But certain shows, when you look back, even if they aren't, you still have these more fond memories of them, you know, and oh, that's a great show. And I think, obviously, I don't know if you're going to touch on this, on Twitter and some of the engagement you've had, people remember this really fondly. And I don't know if that is nostalgia because that's like heavy nostalgia because it's not as good as you remember it. No, but I've had a lot of comments on that as well. So a lot of people have responded saying, yeah, you're right. It's definitely not as good as we remember it. And that they, I, th- I think quite a few people who haven't seen Murder in Small Town X that now have are like, yeah, we can see why you love it that much more. Hmm. Also, the, the ages you watch at this, I mean, we were watching this when we were at like 13, 14. Or we would have, I mean, I, I remember initially when that small, Murder in Small Town X. Oh, definitely. Like the, the intrigue's there more when you're younger. Yeah. Because it's a bit more forbidden. We're looking back on it now with all the other films you've watched and TV shows you've watched. You've got these sort of preconceptions, haven't you? So Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while since we saw the final episode. Mm-hmm. Which didn't make sense. I, and I, I can't remember if we spoke about it or not, whether or not it made sense or whether or not Andrew was a worthy winner. I think we probably touched upon it. But obviously we were rooting for Mel and, you know, it was a shame that she didn't win. We just don't quite, even now, still don't get why they chased the person that they were going to arrest or they had to go down their line of inquiry. Mm. And rather than Andrew catching... Trevor Dobie at the end, he just meets Chief Bob and gets a handshake. Yeah. And Trevor's off killing Jay. He gets away with it. Yeah, even though Mel's there left in the dark. I just find it bizarre. It it still didn't really have and a then break. it was just then it was just uh just closed. And again, right, I'm saying it one final time, mate, because I fuck it. 
Put the money in the bank. Put it yeah, in. Yeah, there's another five. Put quid in the jar. But compare that to the ending of Murder in Small Town X, and I'm not going to spoil it, but that conclusion is remarkable because both contestants mm-hmm. confront who they think is the killer. Yeah. And there's still dialogue and storyline in both. Yeah. One goes on to find out that they're not the killer, but there's all this crazy stuff going on. The other gets joined by the chief of police and all that then starts kicking off there as well. Yeah, and also the, the ending's a lot clearer because... The ending where the mayor gives... But, but also the, they, they, they meet up, the, both the final contestants. Yes, both yes, meet they up, do. Because the loser sort of realises, yeah. hang on a minute, I didn't face the killer, so I didn't die. There was no Mal and Andrew at the end. Which it should have been. It'd be nice to see Mal and Andrew at the end. Yeah, it together, would. Together, you know? Yeah. Or Mel die, you know, get the killer to get her and fake it. Like, fine. Yeah. And that's it, really. I don't at this point in time have anything to say, but is this complete closure? Can we shut the door on the murder game now and never think about it again? I think it was a, a natural progression coming from Small Town X to this because of yeah. the, the ties it had. Um, I'm glad we did it this way. Definitely. Definitely. I think... Obviously, there was decisions made that made the show considerably worse um, with the narrator and Chief Bob. I think the editing obviously isn't up to the dramatics of American editing generally. Yeah. But also, I just don't maybe don't feel the BBC could have backed it as well as they could have. Also, we don't know with the, obviously the red button stuff or the you know, the promo around it. And I think something we touch on with Mel is the fact obviously there's no social media back then either. Mm. And again, it, you know, another show like this now with social media backing. Would it have been more successful? Yeah, and I think that's evident when we go into our next series with Who Done It. That was all on Twitter and the buzz around it. And there's old Facebook posts and all sorts about people trying to determine who the killer is. So look, nothing more to say other than no, I'm just trying to think because you can all edit this and I don't know, I don't wanna stop talking. It's just I mean we have said before, we don't we're not here to judge, are we? We're not here to like critique. No, no, that's that's absolutely and true. And and we do, I think we're quite open with, we, we take it with the view of the, right, this fact it is 2003, we're looking through 2003 goggles. Yeah. But I generally don't think it's a very good show. No. And you're right, we're doing this because we know we're going to get laughs out of it. We're going to get a good giggle. And we did, and that's why we got in touch with Mel. And that is why we had the laugh that we did with yeah. Mel. Speaking of that, Mel's class. She made the yeah. show what it was, yeah. and that chat afterwards was all worth it. I think... What did it in for me was that we got into it after about the fourth or fifth episode, we started thinking, hold on, there's something here it is going down the line that we wanted it to forget the narrator, get over the fact that Chief Bob is what he is. We're not changing that. You've just got to enjoy it. And we started to enjoy it. And then the final episode came along and just didn't make sense. So we're like, oh, great. But then I think if we'd have had this journey with everybody else that listens at the exact same time, it may have been slightly different. But in actual fact, we went through it for the several weeks that it took for us to put this podcast together. We then released it weekly. And every week I get another notification of someone saying, oh, well, that bit was rubbish. And it reminds me then of how bad certain things were. And I love the engagement with our followers. And I love speaking to people who listen to our podcast. And then, you know, the, the, yeah. the funniest, the single, the single funniest thing this tickled me so much because the messages Beth in particular has messaged several times to say, have you ever used a dictaphone? And I love it. I absolutely love it. And there are moments like that of pure gold that I think 
you know what? Without that, without this series, those moments wouldn't exist. Yeah, so I'm grateful definitely. for and, it. I mean, and like we said, we, we would without the podcast, we would have listened. No, sorry, we would have watched this stuff anyway and just chatted together. Exactly. Um, but it's it's good to see other people getting on board and just tweeting, sending new stuff. But can we make a promise now? to everybody listening, to all the hangers-on that have made it to the very end and thought, yeah, I'm going to watch every single one of those episodes. One, credit to you, because it was a hard watch. That was nine grueling hours that you've been put through. But two, series three, who done it? coming literally in the next few weeks if you're listening to this when it's released. It might already be out if you're listening to this, you know, several months, years into the future. But who done it smashes everything out of the park and we... Love it, and but again, because it's so new, who done it? There's probably more American audience has probably seen that. But if you're British and you haven't heard of Who Done It, don't even look. Don't look at it. Don't spoil it for yourself. Just go in and watch along. It's an absolute treat, and we'll end it there. Ah, wrong soundtrack. Sadly, we're not covering all 2,404 episodes of the Bill. Instead, Series Three of Jam Presents will be all about Who Done It. If you've enjoyed this podcast, go and check out our YouTube channel to see our chat with Mel.